0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Welcome back to the Jason Greger Show here on TSN 1260. I'm Jason Strader. He's Connor Halle hosting for today and tomorrow. Get you set up for uh, game two of the NHL playoffs. Ooh, tight one until the third period for Florida. Uh, seems like a must-win. Feels like a must-win for Florida tonight. Don't want to get too dramatic, but it does feel that way. If you want to send us a text, do so in the Jiffy inbox at 10 12 60. Uh, We love getting your text and uh, kind of understanding where your head's at, and we'll try to answer what we can, when we can. Let's go for our big guest of the day, though, right now. We're brought to you by... Silent Rides Charter Company, one of Alberta's premier bus charter companies with state-of-the-art motor coaches safely taking your team or group to their next destination. Book your ride at silentrides.ca. And to do that, we're bringing in the big man himself, Kevin Woodpile-Woodley from Ingle Magazine. Let's get right to it. Talking about game one, what did you see from Aiden Hill that was good or bad for Florida Panthers if they're trying to score on this guy?
0: Um, The good, obviously, we, we saw the desperation, um, the stick save and listen like that's one of those where it's like you know some goalies get a little technical and, and when things get that out of control um, they may not have that, that sort of that compete. Now I would argue most guys that get to the National Hockey League level need to have that degree of compete that never give up to to sort of get out and get extended and make that type of save but it's, it's not necessarily in the, innate and so there's been a bunch of articles written about you know the things he's done over the years to sort of develop that. How much of it is instinctual? How much of it is just you know in his DNA? And how much of it is you know the battle he has in the game of last puck? Um, you know, you can develop it over time. The bad is the fact he had to. And listen, like it was a good play, and it wasn't a bad read to to make a push over to Kachuk. But I think Aiden Hill, at his best, is not outside of his post to that degree. He's not putting himself in a situation where he has to scramble um, to that degree. We saw it in the wraparound goal. I would argue that he was probably expecting a little better support on the backside. He commits to the short side to make sure he doesn't get beat short side high on the initial chance by Stahl. And if you saw two of the three guys skating back the other way actually went straight legged, Whereas a couple more pumps, then they could have easily beaten the wraparound, gotten and helped them out on the wraparound side. So I don't blame that entirely on him, sort of trusting your guys to do their job and he was let down. But again, where is he? He's outside of his posts. And Aiden Hill at his best under sort of Sean Burke's um, tutelage there in, in Vegas this year is rarely, if ever, outside of his post. And I thought there were times in that game, obviously not enough of them for the Florida Panthers, but times where they established that forecheck and that pressure and created plays back and forth below the goal line and, you know, sort of around behind the net that had Aiden scrambling and moving around his crease behind the play. And so that's a little nerve-wracking, and maybe it's just, you know, speaking of nerves, maybe that's all it is, and he'll be more settled in in this game. But based on what I saw, if you're Florida, I think you could look at that tape and say, hey, we just need to generate opportunities off of these type of plays rather than just continuing to generate those cycles because we've got him behind the way we're moving the puck around. We just need to now get pucks on net when we've got him chasing a little bit. And that's, you know, as good as he has been, and, and, you know, I've seen a lot of sort of stuff about, you know, how good he is on lateral plays. And yeah, off clean lateral plays, it's a real short move for him. He's in the crease, he plays no more than half depth. He's rarely at the edge of his paint. He's so everything he has to make on a lateral push is a shorter distance, you know, than you know, the, the, someone like Bobrovsky on the other end who paints around the edges. He's got a lot more distance to cover and has the power to do it. Um, where you get him scrambling on those down low plays is where he, that's where you can get him a little out of control and a little extended and stretched out and exposed. And I thought they did that at times. They just didn't generate shots on net off of it so that's where if you're the Panthers you look at that as a positive and if you're Vegas you might be a little bit nervous about that because there were signs at times where he was not keeping up with the play um, as much as he got away with one with the big stick reach um, there were other signs on 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 cycle plays where he just he was behind and let's see if they can take advantage of that in game two and see if they can create those those same types of circumstances
2: again what about the other end? Uh, what did you like or, or dislike out of uh, Bobrovsky for Florida?
0: I, I actually like Bob. I guess the thing, like if I was going to compare the two and guess, like if I, w- I would look at just how they played and take away the numbers and the goals that went in, and you were to ask me to guess who was the most nervous on that big stage, I would have guessed Aiden because of how many times he did get himself in those scramble situations, because of how many times I looked and saw him behind some of those plays we just talked about. And again, some of it is just, hey, that's Florida's pressure and that's the pace they play with, but some of it was a little uncharacteristic. Bob looked like Bob. The difference to me was, um, especially on those two screen goals, we finally had a team that got traffic and managed to filter pucks through it. And Shea Theodore did an exceptional job with the one. Uh, The second one, the white cloud one, I I think that might have even been an own screen. And those are things we just haven't seen in these playoffs, right? Like Florida, whether it's Florida not giving it up because of how good they are in front of him or other teams not doing a good enough job of creating it and then getting pucks through. And, hey, you can create all the screens and traffic you want. If you don't have the skill of the defenseman to find lanes and, and filter those pucks through, it doesn't do you much good. I just don't think we've seen enough of that against Bob in these playoffs. Statistically, it's an area... You know, that he's, I don't say struggled with in the past, but again, everything's relative, right? Like, relative to his strength, it's a relative weakness. And I don't think enough teams have gone after it effectively. Um, it's almost like like you need to, you feel like you need to create more dynamic offense against a guy like Bob, and yet that's what he feeds off. If he can see it, even if it's backdoor chances, if he can read um, and he reads the game at such a high level, if he can see that pass going back there, he's so explosive and athletic, he's going to give himself a chance to make that save. Um, so as cliched as it is taking away his eyes, like there are ways to do it, get him into, you know, you know, looking around traffic, having to pick lanes and manage to filter pucks. Right? I think you'll see more goals. So that's something if you're Vegas, you're optimistic about. But other than that, honestly, like I thought Bob looked fine. He made some, you know, again, on the bang bang plays where you expect pucks to go in You know, even right before the white cloud goal, a couple of really great chances, he's getting to those. Um, And I think, you know, it's a tough one as a team. Like, what are you going to say? Like, hey, we don't want to stop creating lateral cross-seam passes because this guy's so good at it. You know, of course, you're going to keep trying to create those. But it's nice to mix in something from the point, something with traffic, something that forces him to work a little harder to find the puck. Then, frankly, I think he's had to up until these points in the playoffs.
2: Talking all things uh goaltending with our good friend Kevin Woolley from In Goal Magazine here on TSN twelve sixty on the Jason Greger show. Uh you, you touched on Sean Burke. Let's go back to him though. You know, Sean Burke seems to be uh quite the uh uh coach when it comes to working with goalies, and he's he's in Vegas right now. What is what do you think this potentially could do for him uh and his future moving forward? Well, I think it might not do what he
0: wants to do because like Sean's been, you know, we've heard him referred to, right? Like the year he sort of got back onto the ice in a coaching role with Montreal was the year they went to the cup final, right? Like, and, and we, we always get to hear the talk about Sean Burke's the goalie whisperer, like Sean Burke's a hell of a goalie coach. The problem, and it's, it, you know, I mean, I put, put air quotes around it, right? Like, Problem is, I think he'd rather be on the management side of things, and I think that's been well known. Like there were times where I know there were teams that would have loved to have had him at their goalie coach, but it wasn't a job that he was interested in. And it's a grind, right? Like not everybody wants to to have that day to day travel in their job. And Sean's a really bright mind, so I think he, you know, he was looking for other opportunities. He went back on the ice this year with Vegas. They're in the Cup final. They've done it with five different goalies used. Uh, you know, you can talk about Aiden Hill and his background and and sort of. You know, he's been around for a little while before he got this opportunity. There are things in his game. Listen, the team play in front of him is a big part of this as well. But there are things in his game that he's managing that sort of fit Sean's teachings really well. And I just think it's not a coincidence that they're doing this the way they're doing this with Sean as the goaltending coach this year. And I think it might make it harder for him um, as much as I still think there's a, really, you know, there's a really bright guy there that deserves a shot on the management side, man, when you keep having this much success as a goalie coach, it's going to be really hard you know, to sort of step away from it, frankly. So it's a story that hasn't been told much. Like I haven't seen a lot about, you know, like, hey, there's a lot about the goaltending and the fact they've used so many and the fact they're here with Aiden Hill. But I haven't seen a lot of it tied to Sean, and I'm sorry, but I don't think it's a coincidence. This guy's a hell of a goalie coach. The only downside is I'm not sure he wants to be a goalie coach year in and year out. So um, maybe not great for him if he he has other aspirations, but I know he's really enjoying it in Vegas uh, this year. And, um, again, I I just don't think it's a coincidence that uh, this team is doing it and doing it this way, and Sean's a part of it.
2: Yeah, it's such a special, such a special thing. And lastly, uh, it sounds like after his contract's done with Toronto, have Mike Babcock, back in the NHL, first time since 2019. So what does this mean for their for their kind of hiring process of bringing in a goaltender? And I guess by default, they're goaltenders.
0: Well, no, I mean, the first to me is the goalie coach. Like, I, like this is fascinating to me um, to see how this goes. Because, you know, obviously Mike Babcock will be the first name, but they let go... You know, they didn't just let go of the coaching, uh, the head coach. They let go of the staff. Uh, actually, I'm not sure about these things. I should be careful there. But I know they let go of the goalie coach. They let go of Manny Legacy. So he's not there anymore. They need a replacement. And I know, because I talked, there are people out there that I think would have been high on that list as potential candidates for that job. Or And some that, you know, maybe if they weren't, should be. Like really good up-and-coming coaches, coaches with pedigree, coaches with experience, coaches that should fit coaches Columbus should want to have that weren't interested in the job before Babcock was hired. Because again, like there are thirty two gigs. And so in on one hand, you'd think that anytime one opens, everybody wants that job. But on the other hand, if it's your first shot, you want to make sure it's a good shot. And if you have enough faith in yourself that, you know, you're eventually going to get your shot, there are guys I talked to that were like, I don't know if I want this to be my first because You'd be hired by a general manager. Like how many more decisions does Yarmouk Kalanin get to make if this doesn't go well? So do you want that to be your first job? You get hired by a guy who you may have questions about his future. And now you add Babcock to the mix. Listen, I like, I don't know Mike Babcock outside of having to stick a microphone in a scrum and ask the odd question. So, but we've heard the stories from the player side. Um, and it's, You know, it's, there's, you know, the mental warfare stuff, the stories about Marner, uh, other players who have spoken up, obviously the Johan friends and stuff like this is, this is, you know, the way he coaches is not easy on, on some of the people around him. And uh, my understanding is that extends to the staff. And so as a goalie coach, you combine those factors. I'm really curious to see where they end up on this hire uh, I think it's a very important hire for them right now because the pipeline that they built of up-and-coming goaltenders under Ian Clark when he was their goalie coach before he left and came to Vancouver is starting to run out. And I don't know that they've extended it since he left. Um, and so as that runs out, you know, the, and you've got Elvis Merzlikens who, who clearly needs a different voice. 'Cause there's a ton of talent there, but it you know, things have like for a lot of different reasons haven't gone the way they anticipated. And you walk from Corpusala. Like there are a lot of questions around that position, an important position. And so to have a couple of factors that might not net you the best candidate necessarily, or at the very least, sort of cut off candidates who would be very good for an important job. Like to me you're sorta of, you're you're starting from a tough position already and, and and I don't know, you know, my hunch is it may have gotten even tougher with the coaching hire, uh whether it's confirmed or not, if that's indeed what is happening. Um I don't think that makes it easier to go out and get the best goalie coach you can.
2: Can't wait to see how this plays out, man. we got the finals. and There's a ton of stuff off the ice that has to be dealt with, uh, from ownership down to, uh, you know, the, the fourth liners that need to be signed. So I can't wait to see how this plays out. But thanks for your insight, uh, Woodley, and we'll talk to you later, buddy. Enjoy the game tonight, Stratty. Good to talk to you. Thank you, sir. Kevin Woodley, In Goal Magazine. That was our big guest of the day, brought to you by Silent Rise Charter Company. What about Berta 's premier bus charter companies with state-of-the-art motor coaches? Safely taking you to your team, your team or group to their next destination. Book your ride at SoundRides.ca. Let's tuck out here when we come back. We're going to talk with Arpand Basu, Montreal Canadiens uh, senior columnist for the Athletic, talking Montreal Canadiens next here on Empton Sports Leader TSN 1260. Welcome back to the Jason Gregor Show. My name is Jason I Hope you're having yourself a great day on this beautiful Monday afternoon. Let's go around the HL now. Brought to you by McDonald's. McDonald's is your destination for chill summer treats. With all the favorites you crave, enjoy a Sunday or a snack-sized milkshake for only 2 bucks, or a cone for only $1 exclusively on the McDonald's app. Now we bring in Mr. Arpan Basu from The Athletic to talk Montreal Canadiens. And when you saw the uh, contract, uh, eight years for a uh, Coke call field this morning, what was your initial reaction, sir? Initial
1: reaction sounds about right. I mean, it just... Uh you look at the comparables, you look at what some other people from his draft year have signed for, you know, the Stutzla deal, various other deals, and it just seemed like he was going to fall somewhere right where he fell. So, um, actually, my second thought was what took so long. It was kind of predictable. Yeah. It kind of predictable as where it was going to land. Uh, but, you know, it's, both parties made it clear that they wanted a long-term deal. Um, is pretty good of the Caulfield camp to kind of respect the Canadians' desire to keep the, the number just under a hair under Nick Suzuki's number. Um, but otherwise, just very much expected in terms of length and in terms of dollar figure.
2: He, he's known as a goal scorer. You know, now, is there more to his game as far as maybe the playmaking wow. and even you know, kind of the play away <laughs> from the pocket we'll call defensive play?
1: Uh, not yet. That That is definitely the next step he needs to take. Uh, and he's, the, I mean, the beauty of it for the Canadians is that he's fully cognizant of it and accepts it. You know, I mean, Marty St. Louis, when he's, he's said it numerous times, but he said it right from the get-go, was that he's not going to be able to teach Cole Caulfield how to score goals. What you can teach him is how to become a more complete player. And, and Cole is, recognizes that, spoke about it today that that's something that he needs to improve on and um and frankly Nick Suzuki needs to improve on that as well so now that these two guys are locked in as sort of the core elements of the Canadians offensively you know they need to get to a place where where the Canadians when when they're relevant when they're competitive that they can be thrown out against some of the top lines forget the league in their own division I mean it's really a murderer's row in that division and and you have to be able to play against those guys and, and as it stands right now that's something that both those guys need to work on. And, and the good thing for the Canadians is that they're both, they're both aware of it and accept it as something that they need to do.
2: Yeah, typical young players. I don't think they're the first guys that come in to just score goals and they'll be able to find their way. Um, so now you're looking at this group and, you know, they're top six of the future. Um, you know, it includes these two guys, I'm guessing Slavkowski. Are there others already mm-hmm. in the organization that you see will be a top six player for this team in, let's say, three years from now?
1: Yeah, I think Kirby Doc showed some signs last year that he could be that player uh, to kind of be the 1B, the I guess, to Suzuki's 1A. He really had a strong season and was derailed by injury a little bit, much like the rest of the team, aside from Suzuki. But um, he showed a lot of great things, he showed a lot of potential, and I think uh, that's a piece. And then in all likelihood, they're going to add another one uh, on June 28th in Nashville. So. Um, you know, Josh Anderson is there on a long-term contract. Brendan Gallagher is as well. Uh, Anderson probably had a better shot at really securing a top-six role, but it's clear that this is going to be built around Suzuki and Caulfield and then Yes Slavkowski and Doc who are probably in that mix as well, leaving two spots in the top six. And if they draft a kid that that they intend on putting there, uh, that leaves one. So it's it's really you see a shift in the nucleus. Going, going young, which every re- rebuilding team does, uh, at forward and on defense. There's a lot of young defensemen on this team that that took their first steps last season. And so you really are starting to see the early stages of, of a new core forming for this club.
2: Talking all things Montreal Canadians with the Athletics, Arpan Basu here on The Gregor Show, hosted by Jason Strattel today on TSN 1260. I, I, it's funny, I, I saw your article after I thought about the draft, I looked at it, and Mitch Coff could be sitting there. Uh, so a couple, yeah. a couple things: the size of him, and and the situation with with him being to come over. Is it is he a specific fit for this team, considering those two things? Well, that's
1: the thing. I mean, he's he's a fit in ter- in terms of being just like an extraordinary offensive talent. Like he's you know he's bordering on genius offensively. Like he's really really an intelligent hockey player who's who, who's effective without necessarily having the physical tools uh to do it he just has an incredible brain he has great hands he has good feet no not necessarily the fastest skater but you know he is sort of a one-dimensional undersized scoring winger which is the guy we just talked about <laughs> I mean, it really describes a lot of uh what Cole Caulfield brings he does it in a very different way offensively he's you know Mitchkov's a guy who plays with the puck a lot, Caulfield's the guy who actually doesn't play with the puck a lot and is is really good at just finding space and and being in the right areas and at the right spots at the right time to, to spot a goal. He's got an instinctive feel for that. Much like Mitchkov has a lot of instinctive things that he does to create offense. Uh but I don't know how many guys like that you can have on a winning team. And just, you know, for making the argument in the, in the article you're referring to this morning, you know, I looked at 20 Conference finalists over the last five years, and really, you know, there were I think twenty-five players on those twenty teams who were at five ten or less, and never did you have two in the top six of any team. So it really does suggest that you can't you can't do that. You can't you can't expect. And there yeah. are exceptions to every rule, but I mean, you played. I mean, you know, it's it's just it's <laughs> sometimes a, a spot is filled that fills that that profile and you have to find other profiles to go around it. And those those two guys to me are somewhat fit the same profile.
2: It's so hard because you know you you always say take the best player available. But when you already have something like that or two of them in your top six I, it's just not that easy. So I think it'll be fascinating. Like I, I have no idea what they're gonna do, but I just find it fascinating because do you just go for the best player or do you try to figure it out? Because you look at Vegas and Florida, their top six are big, and Vegas's yeah. D are humongous. And yeah, you know they're also skilled. You know, like Mark Stone's a pretty skilled player. All those guys are pretty skilled. So fascinating to watch how that, how that shakes out. Um, How did the Dennis Guryanov experiment work out uh, in that exchange with Dallas, and what what would be his his perhaps future in Montreal if there is one.
1: Yeah, it's tough to say, you know, he's got a pretty big uh, qualifying offer that they have to decide on. Um, you know, he was he kind of came as advertised. He didn't really do a whole lot different than what made Dallas kind of sour on him over time. Like you remember the actually I was I was in Edmonton covering those bubble playoffs. Uh, he was fantastic. <laughs> he was he was great sure. and and really and I remember him and Hints were both RFAs that year and I came away thinking like people have to offer sheet these guys. Like Dallas was really squeezed on the cap and uh, yeah. and one of them continued rising. That would be hints. And the other one didn't at all. That would be Goriano. And so honestly I don't know what the teams would do, but I I would be mildly surprised if they qualified him. Like he might become a USA this year because he has all the tools. You look at him and you think he should be a great player. He's mm-hmm really fast he's an amazing shot he's got decent size uh, it just doesn't he's just not able to put it together on a consistent basis so he's he's a tough one I believe I don't know off the top of my head but it's four and a quarter if I'm not mistaken million dollars his qualifying offer so it's it's you know it's a pretty decent ask the Canadians could choose to eat it for a year and, and give it a, give him a real shot at a full season and see if they can unlock some of that potential and it's not they're not under a huge cap crunch or anything here, even after this Caulfield signing. So maybe they qualify him, but he, you know, he wasn't very, he wasn't very convincing. Let's say in, in the, in you know, the post-trade deadline stint he had. Uh,
2: and one last one for you. You mentioned the cap space there is quite a bit. They had some pretty big contracts come off the books. Uh, will, will they be a group? Uh, they'll, they'll look to maybe. Uh, cherry pick certain contracts that people want to unload to kind of give a little more support for Marty St. Louis, some 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 veteran type players specifically up front.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think if they're gonna if they're gonna go adding contracts that teams want to unload, I think they're still gonna try and get futures that come with that contract sweeteners. And so uh, I don't know if they'll do it for the benefit of the right now. Yeah, they could use. You know, a bit more of a veteran presence, but it's it's not something that they consider vital. I think they see Suzuki, Caulfield um, growing into sort of young veteran roles right now, and they want to kind of hand the team over to them, so I don't think that's a big concern of theirs, but having said that, I think they do have the space to potentially go get a bad contract if it means adding a prospect with it, uh, adding a decent draft pick. Uh, that's a possibility, but I don't think the the prime motivation there would be to to give Marty some more veterans to work with. Cause frankly, Marty's just fine working with younger players. He's, he's an actual uh, real blessing for this team um, with where they're at. Cause he just, he works so well uh, with, with all players. I mean, I think the guy who worked with him the most this season was Michael Pizzetta. who just signed a contract extension. He's a fourth line grinder. And he was out there. Marty saying Louis was out there after every morning skate when he was scratched, you know, working on skill, doing skill work, teaching him how to score. So it's it's really an ideal situation for the Canadians to have a guy like this who can work with all the young players that will be coming in.
2: Yeah, head coach is also a development coach. That's that's pretty good. And who likes well, I mean, to how do How many it? head coaches
1: did you see like staying after morning skate oh, to
2: work with the no, scratches? No.
1: Like, it's, no.
2: like it's unheard
1: of. No. So, most of them blew their yet.
2: groins off trying to get off the ice. Yeah. yeah they, well, most <laughs> of them. a lot of them just skip morning skate altogether, right? And so yeah, it's like, right.
1: Yeah. So lucky, it was pretty – Plus, Lucky it's, guys, it's that's for sure. Yeah, no, but, it's you know, they've never seen these guys have never worked with a coach like this, so it's, mm-hmm. it's a pretty unique situation.
2: Arpon, keep up the good work at the Athletic. I love reading your stuff, and uh, thanks for joining us today on The Gregor Show. All right, thanks for having me. Man. Great stuff, Arpon Basu, senior columnist at the Athletic, talking all things obviously Montreal Canadiens. Uh, that was. Around the NHL, brought to you by McDonald's. It is your destination for chill summer treats with all the favorites you crave. Enjoy a Sunday or snack-sized milkshake for only two bucks or a cone for only one dollar, exclusively on the McDonald's app. Yeah, you know what? That team. If if he is sitting there, Michkov sitting there at five. I I get he's a great player. I mean, I, I I'm not denying that. But how many smaller players can you have on a team? I, I sorry, on the forwards, and it's it's. It's tough, man. It's really tough. You, you're going to take a center who's 5'11", a winger in Mishkoff who's allegedly 5'10", and then Kokoffi who's 5'7", and you're going to go try to play around the Florida Panthers defense. And I know they're not going to be there next year, but the Florida Panthers defense is the shortest player to be Martinez at 6'1", and tallest is, I'm going to say Haig is 6'5". So whatever he is, let's just say that it is there. McNabb, 6'4". I think White Cloud, 6'2", or 6'3". Pechangelo, 6'3". Shea Theodore, let's call him 6'2". They're all talented, too. Those are all talented players. And they're big, and they can toss people around. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. See how it shakes out. Uh did I miss anything, Connor? I think we've got everything in here so far, How not we, old dog? Yeah,
3: I think we got it all here. I just want to give my uh, Alec Manoa update for the Jays fans out there. Uh, yes, tell you, me good if, stuff. If you're racing home and you you know you have a yard maybe oh, you just no. turn the volume down for a second, but he uh that's enough time. He faced all nine Astros hitters, allowed six runs on seven hits, through thirty eight pitches, and only got one out. Oh no. So uh Oh no, <laughs> Uh, Jay Jackson got in there. Uh Astros lead six nothing. Oh
2: whoa whoa whoa. The big man. I love that guy. Yeah. Man, he's having hey. a tough time. Having a tough time. Oh, that's disappointing. What a downer, man. Let me let's get into commercial before he starts well, dropping that those beats on us. You know, we're the Sports leader.
3: We got people keep people up to date on what's going Jeez. on and Alec Manolo might need to hop on the bus
2: and head to Buffalo and find his game again. Wow, crazy! Go from almost a side one wing or two back down would be incredible. Uh, Alberta PlayAlberta.ca is the uh, sponsor for the Jason Graves Show. Here's a pro tip for if you don't want to wait for game day to place your sports bet, that's not a problem. You can bet futures and place your bet on outcomes as far in advance as a full sports season before the season even begins. Place your futures bet today at playalberta.ca, Alberta's only regulated sporting website. Let's stuck out of here. When we come back, help me understand Strudwick style. Next on Empton Sports Leader, TSN 1260. Back to Empton Sports Leader TSN twelve sixty on the Jason Gregor show. My name is Jason Strudwick. Thanks sir. Tuning in today, Connor Halley with you as well. Great to have you a part of the show here. Um, lots to get to, sir. Lots of text coming in at ten, twelve, sixty. JJ for the inbox. Hey Connor, thanks a lot for the update on the Jays from Don M. I don't really think that was very. I don't know if he was being sarcastic or happy, but either way, that's what we got.
3: We got to report the news,
2: Strad. That's that's part of our obligation here. That was so sad. Mitchkoff's already done. Are you, are you saying Mitchkoff's already done growing, Strads? He's five ten. He could easily grow over six feet. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it could. My hair could grow back as well, right? I don't know that that's going to happen. I don't know. That seems difficult to happen at that age, but it's possible. It's always possible, so don't be negative. Let's get to Help Me Understand. Brought to you by Elite Promotional Marketing. They have all your corporate golf uh, wear needs for upcoming golf tournaments like Nike, Under Armour, Callum and more. Book now at ElitePromoMarketing.com.
1: I don't understand it. I don't understand
2: it at all. I'm afraid I don't understand. Understand,
0: do you? I don't
3: understand. What? Uh, Help me
2: understand. It's too technical for a layman to understand. All right, I'll take this one. Part of, how can I, when you're playing sports, you need to manage your energy, both emotional and physically. And I was down watching the Memorial Cup, and I was watching it, this weekend on Friday and Sunday. Last night was Sunday, if you're not sure. I was watching it and trying to understand why players on both teams were standing up during the game. Now, it was an exciting moment. It wasn't like there was a big hit. You all jumped up and cheered. It wasn't like, you know, it was it was fine in the final middle of the game where you want to stand up. This was mid-game. You're playing a tournament in which you need your rest, in which you want to be fresh, and everyone, most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, specifically last night in that Memorial Cup, were standing up. I'm the coach of either one of those teams. I'm like, guys, manage your energy, both emotionally and physically. You can sit down. When your time comes, you can jump up and go over. I think it's just its too much. I know they're excited. I know they're young. But I know for sure when I was going through that, I wasn't sitting down, and I probably wasn't in as good a shape as them, even though my arms are probably bigger than they were for them right now. So, Connor, help me understand why anyone would stand up for an entire game when you can sit down and watch it. Does this stem from you at a concert, study? Has that been in the back of
3: your mind, huh? this entire show after the concert you went to? I don't know. I mean, I, I, they're, they're kids. they got young legs, right? Probably uh, bouncing around out there, staying loose. I can't comment on it as good as you can. I've never played at that level. I'm not that type of athlete, but I feel like they're just probably staying loose, ready to go, too jacked up to sit down and and just wanting to be up in the moment, taking it all in.
2: Yeah, but I think that's the job of the coach, right? Is to say, "Hey, let's relax. Let's sit and let's just, you know, let's manage our energy because it's a very long game." and those games are are tough. You need to have a little bit of break. You need to be fresh. And I think that's the job of the coach. Now, am I saying that's the reason Seattle lost? No. It's it, I'm not quite being that. Um I'm not saying that that's that's the thing, but it all adds up, right? So every little detail in in a game or as a, as a team, everything you do to just find a like a little bit here, a little bit there and you just going to add on. All of a sudden now you're like, boom, actually I feel really good. And then you winning the game. So again, it just, it was a surprise and something I wasn't used to seeing. So I, I, I'm not saying this is the end of the world, but I think it's an element that you should watch. You know, you, you see the crowd standing up, you know, in, in, overtime, what was that long overtime game? Was that Florida, Toronto? And what, what game went like seven, seven periods, I'm Drawing a blank right now. It all blends together, but there was fans standing up for that whole time. Like, what are you guys doing? This is crazy. Florida, Carolina. Florida, Carolina. There you go.
3: Montour there played like go. 89 minutes or something. Yeah. Yeah. I well, some fans were sta-
2: sleeping, right? Uh, he wasn't standing up on the bench. Let's be honest with that, the old dog.
3: With age comes wisdom
2: study, you know? <laughs> so you say. <laughs> so you say, old dog. Um. All right. Well, that was great. Let's get, uh, get out of here. Well, you oh, just quickly,
3: yeah. Uh, Big Uke oh, cool. asked uh, about the the read I just had there for yeah. On the Rocks. So you can go to ontherocksedmonton.com, very quick and easy. Uh, for 35 bucks, you get a ride to and from the game. You get your tickets, obviously, access to the lower bowl, twist the tea party deck, which is a blast. And then you get a beer before the game. So that that's what that read was there.
2: Uh, yeah, it makes sense. Alex, mm-hmm. it's, it's I was there the other day. The, the, the stadium looks good, ready to go. The other chance is Sunday when the Rough Fighters are there. All right, I want to thank all of our guests today, which included Tommy Gazzola, don't call me tiny, Ben Brown, Ryan Rashog, George Richards, Kevin Woodley, and, of course, Arpan Basu. Big news of today to me is Cole Caulfield getting signed out with the Montreal Canadiens. It's another done player. So you got Suzuki, Caulfield, Slavkovsky, and Doc Uh, as four of your top six players. Is that a good mix? Pretty skilled. Pretty big. Those two last guys are pretty big. The first two are kind of small, but we'll see what happens with this draft. It's going to be fascinating. Connor, any final thoughts before we throw this to, uh, to break? 100% 100% strutty. If you missed anything, at
3: tsn1260.ca. We've got the hour-long podcast there. Of course, Apple Music, Spotify. And if you want the individual interviews, jasongreger.com. You can check out the archive shows. We've got all the guests we had on just their segments. Uh, cut up for your listening pleasure.
2: Well, I love it. Well, that's it, everyone. On behalf of Connor, myself, and all your friends here at uh, TSN 1260, thanks for listening to us today. We'll be back tomorrow, 6 a.m., as we go to break, we'll get a sports update brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling, home with no internet, no payments, no interest, no payments for one year on your AC unit. Be cool this summer at legacyheating.ca. Good night, everybody.